This episode of the God Chaser podcast is proudly sponsored by God Chaser Apparel, the clothing line designed to empower and inspire your spiritual journey. Are you a God Chaser at heart? Do you want to share your passion for pursuing God with the world? God Chaser Apparel has got you covered, literally. With a wide range of stylish, high-quality clothing and accessories, you can wear your faith proudly and spark conversations about your pursuit of God's presence. From bold statement tees to cozy hoodies, sleek hats, and much more, God Chaser Apparel has something for everyone. Plus, every purchase supports our mission to inspire and encourage fellow believers on their journey toward a deeper relationship with Christ. Visit GodChaser.Faith today to explore our collection and find the perfect piece to express your passion for God. God Chaser Apparel, where faith meets fashion and the pursuit of God's presence becomes a lifestyle. Don't miss out. Head to GodChaser.Faith now and start wearing your faith boldly. Welcome to the God Chaser Podcast, the ultimate destination for those yearning to cultivate a passionate, intimate relationship with God. Join your host, Evan Evans, as he explores the depths of Scripture, shares inspiring testimonies, and provides practical guidance to help you become a true God Chaser. Discover the transformative power of pursuing God's presence and be inspired to reignite your spiritual journey. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts and get ready to embark on an adventure that will change your life forever. Welcome to the God Chaser Podcast. Let the chase begin. Welcome, God Chasers, to another episode of the God Chaser Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Evans, and today we're embarking on a spiritual journey, a journey that will take us through the sacred scriptures, diving deep into the profound mystery and transformative power of fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer, two spiritual disciplines that often come together in a unique and powerful way in the Bible. They hold a pivotal place in our relationship with God and are instrumental in our spiritual development. Today we'll trace the origins of fasting in the Old Testament, explore its transformative power in the lives of biblical figures, and bridge the gap to the New Testament, unearthing the deeper meanings behind Jesus' teachings on fasting and prayer. Have you ever wondered what it means to fast and pray? Last week, we delved into the nature of prayer, how we should pray, and why prayer is such a pivotal part of our relationship with God. But as we continue this prayer series, it would be remiss of us to not turn our attention to a companion practice that dates back to the times of the Old Testament, fasting. So why is fasting so important? And how does it fit into our daily lives as believers? Maybe by understanding its significance and practice, things in your life will start to turn, igniting a new era of empowered spiritual growth. So, let's truly and deeply understand the significance of fasting and praying. As believers, we sometimes find ourselves in a perplexing dilemma. We attend church services, listen to sermons, engage in various religious activities, yet somehow we might feel a distance, a disconnect between us and God. This often leads to a sense of frustration as if we're crying out for our needs but not feeling the closeness and connection we desire with our Creator. If you've ever felt this way, you're not alone, and today's topic might offer some insight into bridging that gap. Fasting is a profound spiritual discipline rooted in the Old Testament, entwined with prayer. This practice emerges from the Hebrew word zom, which translates to to cover the mouth. However, fasting transcends mere abstinence from food or drink. 
It represents a deliberate choice to put aside our physical requirements, mute the commotion of our daily existence, and attune to the tranquil, quiet voice of the divine. You may ask, where did this practice originate? In biblical history, one of the earliest instances of fasting occurred during the time of Moses, as described in the book of Exodus. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 28, Moses spent 40 days and 40 nights on Mount Sinai without eating bread or drinking water, engaging in a divine dialogue as he received the Ten Commandments from God. This can be perceived as a solemn period of fasting, undertaken to seek God's wisdom and guidance in leading the Israelites, illustrating the spiritual significance of fasting even in these early biblical accounts. Moving ahead in time, the book of Esther, chapter 4, verse 16, provides another poignant account of fasting. Queen Esther, confronted with a catastrophic decree that threatened the Jewish people, requested all the Jews in Susa to join her in a three-day fast before she approached King Ahasuerus uninvited, a bold action that could have led to her execution. This communal fast served as a collective plea to God for protection and favor, demonstrating the power of fasting as a communal act of solidarity and spiritual supplication. The Old Testament contains numerous other instances of fasting. For instance, in the book of Jonah, the people of Nineveh fasted to show their repentance, leading God to relent from destroying the city. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, the Israelites fasted as a sign of repentance while Samuel prayed for them, resulting in deliverance from the Philistines. In each of these instances, fasting served as a tangible expression of humbling oneself before God, symbolizing total reliance on His mercy in times of adversity. Translating this into our contemporary context, fasting retains its profound significance. Fasting, combined with prayer, becomes a spiritual discipline that can draw us nearer to God, fostering a deeper understanding of His will and bolstering our faith. It's not just about religious ritual. It's about creating a space in our lives where God is central, His voice is most resounding, and His presence is intensely felt. So if you feel a distance from God or find your prayers unanswered, consider exploring fasting. Not as a means to earn divine favor, but as a humble approach to seek His guidance and cultivate a deeper relationship with Him. However, remember to approach fasting with wisdom and understanding. It's not a magical solution to our problems, but when accompanied by sincere prayer, it can profoundly transform our spiritual lives and draw us closer to the divine. Let's look at another great example. King David. The story of King David in 2 Samuel chapter 12 provides a powerful example of genuine repentance and the practice of fasting and prayer as a means of expressing sorrow and seeking God's mercy. David, a man described in the Bible as a man after God's own heart, had committed grave sins. He had taken Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite, and arranged for Uriah to be killed in battle. When Bathsheba bore David a son, God was displeased with David's actions and sent the prophet Nathan to rebuke him. Nathan told David a parable about a rich man who, instead of using his own abundant resources, took a precious ewe lamb from a poor man to prepare a meal for his guest. The lamb was everything to the poor man. It lived with him, shared his food, and was like a daughter to him. David, Outraged at the rich man's actions, declared that the man deserved to die and must repay the poor man four times over. At this point, Nathan revealed the true meaning of his parable. He said to David, You are the man. 
Nathan explained how God had anointed David as king over Israel, delivered him from Saul, and given him so much. But David despised God's commandments and took Uriah's wife as his own, even arranging for Uriah's death. David, realizing the gravity of his sins, confessed, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan assured David that the Lord had taken away his sin and he would not die for it. However, because David had shown contempt for the Lord, the son born to him would die. The newborn son fell gravely ill, and in response, David turned to fasting and prayer. He pleaded with God for the child's life, spent his nights lying in sackcloth on the ground, and refused to eat. Yet on the seventh day, the child died. David's attendants, fearing his reaction, hesitated to tell him the news. When David realized what had happened, he asked them, Is the child dead? And they confirmed it. In the face of this tragedy, David responded in a manner that was unexpected to those around him. He got up from the ground, washed, changed his clothes, and went to the house of the Lord to worship. Then he returned to his own house and ate. From this story, we learn several lessons about prayer, fasting, humility, repentance, and the nature of God's mercy. David's prayer and fasting were not about trying to change God's mind, but were acts of contrition and surrender to God's will. He acknowledged his sin, expressed his remorse, and sought God's mercy. His prayers were not bargaining tools, but expressions of a broken and contrite heart, which, as Psalm 51:17 tells us, God will not despise. As we seek to apply these lessons to our lives, we should remember that God desires truth in our innermost being, Psalm 51:6. Like David, we must be willing to acknowledge our sins and express genuine remorse. We should also understand that our actions have consequences, and sometimes, despite our repentance and God's forgiveness, we might still face the repercussions of our actions. In our prayers, we should aim to be like David, who despite his circumstances, displayed humility and complete surrender to God's will. We must remember that God is loving and merciful, and He hears us when we genuinely seek Him. In moments of distress or guilt, we might find ourselves in a situation similar to David's. As we plead and fast, we should remember that it is not about changing God's mind, but acknowledging our shortcomings and expressing our desire to align our will with His. We should remember that our spiritual disciplines, including fasting and prayer, are not about earning God's favor, but about developing a deeper relationship with Him. As we fast, we intentionally set aside our physical needs to focus on our spiritual ones, echoing David's act of lying on the ground in sackcloth, refusing to eat. This act symbolizes our willingness to humble ourselves before God, acknowledging that we are reliant on Him for our needs. In our prayers, we should strive to be honest and vulnerable before God, as David was when he confessed his sins to Nathan and expressed his sorrow. This level of honesty with God fosters a deeper relationship with Him, and it is in this relationship that we find the strength and wisdom to navigate life's challenges. The practice of fasting and prayer is not about manipulating God into doing what we want. Rather, it's about changing our hearts and minds to be more in tune with God's will. As we continue to delve into the teachings of Jesus on fasting and prayer in the New Testament, we'll see that this heart posture is consistent with what He taught His disciples. Just like David, we too can experience the transformative power of fasting and prayer in our lives. It may not always result in the outcome we desire, as in David's case, where despite his sincere fasting and prayer, his child still died. But regardless of the outcome, the act of fasting and prayer itself changes us. It brings us closer to God, aligns our hearts with His, and deepens our spiritual walk. 
So I encourage you today, whether you're a new believer or have been walking with God for many years, to consider how you might incorporate fasting and prayer into your spiritual disciplines, not as a ritual or a way to earn God's favor, but as a means to humble yourself, seek God earnestly, and grow in your relationship with Him. Just like David, you might find that this practice not only changes your circumstances, but transforms your heart in profound ways. In the New Testament, Jesus brings renewed understanding to the practices of fasting and prayer, particularly highlighted in Matthew 17, 14, 21. In this passage, the disciples were unable to cast out a demon from a young boy. After Jesus rebuked the demon, healing the boy, the disciples asked him why they were unable to do so. Jesus responded, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. This critical event underscores that faith alone, especially if it lacks depth or understanding, may not be enough to overcome certain spiritual battles. The disciples' predicament, as depicted in the New Testament, reflects a common human tendency. The propensity to rely on our own wisdom and past successes, often neglecting our continual need for divine guidance. This is especially true when we experience a measure of success, as the disciples did when they cast out some demons. Yet in Matthew chapter 17, verses 4 to 21, they encountered a demon that defied their standard methods. They had relied on their previous experience and knowledge, assuming that what had worked before would work again. But this time, they failed. Here, Jesus revealed that their lack of faith was the problem. He further expounded that with true faith in God, they could accomplish anything. No task would be too great, no obstacle insurmountable. Jesus' response emphasized the need for persistent faith in God, not sporadic or conditional faith that wavers with circumstances. This faith requires humility and a recognition of our own limitations. It requires us to lean on God's infinite wisdom and power, no matter how significant our victories may seem. It demands constant connection with God, a connection fostered through prayer and fasting. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18 instructs us to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This unceasing prayer reflects a constant consciousness of God and a continual reliance on Him. In John chapter 4, verse 24, Jesus proclaims, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Fasting and prayer are integral practices in this genuine worship. They are not merely rituals, but profound spiritual disciplines that keep us attuned to God's presence and aligned with his will. In summary, the disciples' experience teaches us that true spiritual power does not come from our wisdom or accomplishments. It flows from a steadfast faith in God, a faith nurtured by continual prayer and fasting, a faith that recognizes our dependence on God in every situation. Our spiritual victories do not lie in the might of our abilities, but in the humility of our hearts as we seek, trust, and honor God in spirit and truth. Fasting, combined with prayer, deepens our faith, brings spiritual clarity, and makes us more receptive to God's power. This doesn't signify earning God's favor, but rather aligning ourselves to be more open to His power. In this instance, the disciples' inability to cast out the demon represented a spiritual challenge that demanded more than they had given. They needed a deeper connection with God, an alignment achieved through prayer and fasting. 
This practice allowed them to overcome their human limitations and tap into God's divine power. Let's look at another biblical example to understand this better. In Luke chapter 10, verses 17 to 20, after Jesus had sent the 72 out, they returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. However, Jesus, knowing the danger of such exhilaration rooted in spiritual power, redirected their joy. He said, Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This teaching serves as a reminder that our spiritual power does not lie in our understanding or abilities. As Proverbs 3, 5, 6 admonishes us, we must trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. The primary way we submit to God and cease leaning on our understanding is through practices like prayer and fasting. Fasting, prayer, and mindfulness of God, as Jesus taught, represent a denial of self, a humbling of oneself to focus on God's will. This is a spiritual discipline that extends from the Old Testament into the New Testament. In each instance, the realization that a situation needed more than human effort triggered a period of fasting and prayer. From Moses on Mount Sinai to Esther's plea for her people and the disciples struggling to cast out a demon, each situation demanded spiritual focus and attentiveness to God's will. In conclusion, Fasting and prayer aren't about gaining spiritual superpowers or achieving earthly victories. They are about humbling ourselves, seeking God's will, and understanding our true spiritual identity in Christ. They are practices that help us rely not on our strength, but on God's divine power. The ultimate goal is to deepen our relationship with God, grow in our spiritual journey, and rejoice in the assurance of our salvation. Fasting in the modern era can take many forms and should be shaped by personal conviction and guidance from the Holy Spirit. It's important to remember that the central aim of fasting, regardless of the specific form it takes, is to humble ourselves before God and seek His presence and guidance. The practice of a 40-day fast, often observed in churches during specific periods of prayer, can be a profound spiritual experience. As individuals engage in this practice, many report a deeper intimacy with God and an enhanced understanding of His will. However, fasting should not be limited to fixed church calendars or ritualistic patterns. It can also be prompted by specific needs or circumstances, such as seeking God's guidance during a crisis or expressing deep repentance and commitment to spiritual renewal. Whether you fast weekly, monthly, or on an as-needed basis is a personal decision. The frequency of fasting should reflect your desire and commitment to seek God, not merely adhere to a religious routine. It's crucial to remember that praying while fasting doesn't mean endlessly repeating prayers in your head as you navigate through your day. Rather, it implies maintaining an ongoing conscious connection with God in every action you undertake. This approach transforms your everyday activities into acts of worship and makes your daily life a living prayer. Health-driven fasting, like intermittent fasting, is primarily focused on physical well-being, whereas spiritual fasting has a much broader objective. While there's no rule against combining these two, it's important to discern the different intents. Spiritual fasting is about denying self to draw closer to God. Health fasting is more about enhancing physical health. The act of fasting is not just about refraining from certain foods or activities. The crucial element is prayer. Fasting without prayer is essentially a diet or self-denial. 
It's the combination of fasting and prayer that makes this practice spiritually significant as it represents a physical affirmation of a spiritual commitment. In Matthew 6, 16, 18, Jesus provides instructions for fasting. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus' words highlight the personal and private nature of fasting. It's not meant to be a public display of piety or righteousness. Rather, it's a private act of devotion meant for God's eyes only. The aim is not to earn human approval, but to draw closer to God. To summarize, fasting is an important spiritual discipline that brings us into a deeper relationship with God. It requires sacrifice, humility, and prayer, focusing our minds and hearts on God's presence and will. Whether you fast according to a set schedule or as your needs and circumstances dictate, the key is to approach fasting with a genuine desire to seek God. Remember, fasting is not about what you're giving up. It's about who you're turning to. It's not merely about food or physical discipline, but about spiritual growth and divine connection. Make it a practice filled with intention, respect, and devotion, and it can become a powerful tool in your spiritual journey. As we wrap up today's podcast, let's take a moment to reflect on our journey through the Scriptures. We've traced the practice of fasting from the Old Testament through Exodus and right into the New Testament. We've seen the spiritual significance of fasting, its deep intertwining with prayer, and its role as a tool for humbling oneself before God. We've discovered how the Israelites, in a desperate moment, turned to fasting and prayer, seeking God's guidance and intervention. We revisited the story of Queen Esther, who fasted and prayed before approaching the king, and the Ninevites, who responded to Jonah's prophecy with a fast, and God relented from the disaster he had planned to bring upon them. In the New Testament, we found Jesus casting new light on fasting, teaching that certain spiritual victories are achievable only by prayer and fasting. Through the experience of the disciples, we learned that true spiritual power comes not from our wisdom or abilities, but from unwavering faith in God, a faith nurtured through continual prayer and fasting. Let's be encouraged, knowing that our circumstances do not change because of fasting alone. The fast, coupled with sincere prayer, invites the Holy Spirit to work within us, bringing revelation, guidance, and comfort. The ultimate goal of fasting is not merely self-denial, but drawing closer to God, growing in our understanding of Him, and deepening our relationship with Him. Remember, we can't serve our flesh and expect to grow spiritually. Fasting is a form of self-denial that shifts our focus from physical sustenance to spiritual nourishment, from worldly concerns to heavenly wisdom. It's not just about the act of fasting, but about the spiritual pursuit it signifies. When we fast and pray, we are not merely abstaining from food. We're feasting on the presence and promises of God. So as we conclude today, let's remember that fasting is more than an act of self-denial. It's an invitation for the Holy Spirit to fill the space that our physical desires usually occupy, to guide us into a deeper understanding of God's will and to strengthen our relationship with Him. Thank you once again for joining me on this podcast. 
Let's keep chasing after God, seeking Him not only in our moments of abundance, but also in our seasons of sacrifice. Join me again next week as we continue to explore the rich treasures of our faith. Stay blessed and keep seeking God in spirit and in truth. Goodbye for now. Seeking after God is not a one-time event, but a lifelong journey. So continue to press in, chase after his heart, and allow his love and grace to transform you from the inside out. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to the podcast, leaving us a review, or sharing it with a friend. Would love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future episodes. Until next time, keep chasing after God. And may his peace and presence be with you always.